The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. I am Tim, and uh, I've been here at Cairn University ooh, far too long, um, from 17 to 54. Uh, but I'm glad to be here this morning. And as Rick said, I am a pastor at a local church uh, in Myerstown, Pennsylvania. It's between Reading and Hershey, so not too far away. And that's given me an opportunity to come back to Cairn, help out with alumni things, and also uh, continue some education. So I am a Cairn guy, the undergrad degree, two master's degrees, and one of those is a degree in Christian counseling. And it's in that role as a pastor and counselor that I've been asked to briefly address a particular and somewhat difficult topic with you today. And that topic is anxiety. I have not written a book addressing anxiety, nor have I conducted formal clinical research or published any articles on anxiety. Many others have, and there are some excellent resources available uh, for people that struggle with it, for people who want to help those who struggle, and uh, for people who are helping those who struggle with anxiety. Most of what I have to share on this topic comes from my experiences as a pastor and a counselor in just one community of faith and with the friends and the family of indiv individual members of our church. So you're not going to hear anything profound this morning, probably nothing new or provocative. But I hope that you will hear the thoughts of one helper who has been with people, real people, in the trenches and in the muck and in the mire and in the trouble of anxiety. My goal is to offer perspective, some help, and some hope. But first, I would like to acknowledge the likelihood that there are at least two different groups of people present today related to the problem of anxiety. Probably more, but at least two groups of people. The first are those of us who, to a lesser or greater degree, struggle with anxiety. If you are part of that group, you may be motivated today to listen. And my hope is that you will be helped in some way. The second group is made up of those who rarely or never struggle with anxiety. If you are part of that group, you may not be motivated to listen, but my desire is that you will, so that you can offer some hope and some help to those you know who do wrestle with anxiety or perhaps with those you will know. It is very likely that most of us in this room do know someone who suffers with anxiety in some form, be it clinical or undiagnosed. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America states on their website that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illnesses in the United States. 40 million adults, roughly 19% of the United States population, are affected by anxiety disorders every year, the last few years running. As a practitioner, the majority of people that I have helped with generalized anxiety or even with diagnosed anxiety 
are under the age of 18. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports on their website that from 2016 to 2019, nearly 5.8 million children under the age of 18, that's almost 9.5%, had diagnosed anxiety. And that was just diagnosed anxiety. The CDC also reports statistics that indicate anxiety has increased over time for all age categories, especially within the last eight to 10 years. I mention these statistics simply to point out that many people suffer with anxiety and that those who don't likely know someone who does. All of us need to consider this issue. But why would I or someone like me be asked to address anxiety with you, students at Cairn University? Well, one obvious reason is what I just briefly described. Anxiety affects many people, including college students. Another reason is that due to its prevalence, it is critical that students who study at Cairn, which exists in part to help them become biblically-minded men and women of character, to be able to make sure that they can understand anxiety, to help them to make sense of anxiety for themselves and for others from a God-centered perspective. Otherwise, you could fall prey to the extreme responses to anxiety. And these extreme responses to anxiety are unfortunately common. And as a pastor, I am constantly faced with these extreme responses. Last night, I was packing for a missions trip that I'll be leaving for on Saturday to Alaska. And I was trying to get ahead of the packing because the next couple of days are gonna be busy. I was also trying to spend some time with my wife because we hadn't seen each other much this week. But in the middle of packing and trying to spend just some like downtime with her, I was being bombarded through text messages by a couple of people in our church community who were struggling to live, not just to get through a problem or through a struggle, but two people specifically just last night saying to me, I can't do this anymore. The fear and the pain are too significant. Now, I am not trying to manipulate your emotions. I am not trying to exaggerate. I'm just telling you the truth. Personal Debilitation or despair is one of the ways that people respond to anxiety on one end of the spectrum. But on the other end of the spectrum is minimalization or denial. These extreme responses are a potential danger for you students who are being trained and educated and equipped to serve God in our culture and around the world. Debilitation and despair are unwanted for obvious reasons, and they're contrary to what Christ's followers can experience in their union with Jesus Christ through faith. Likewise, minimizing or denying the experience of anxiety in oneself or in another person can result in emotional and spiritual harm. So anxiety should be addressed. It has to be addressed. It's complex and its effects are varied and personal, but there is help 
and there is hope and there is perspective from God. Now, just for a moment, I want to also say that there are great treatments available, clinical treatments, professional treatments, and if you are struggling seriously or significantly with anxiety, I encourage you to seek some professional help. My goal today is to offer some perspective from God's point of view. He made us, he knows us, he's rescued us, he loves us, and he has spoken to us. So let's just consider four ways to consider anxiety from God's perspective. And the first thing is simply to say that anxiety is evidence of our brokenness. Anxiety is troubling and disturbing, and those two words don't really cut it. Anxiety can be described as negative or fearful thoughts such as what if, or thoughts about being judged or embarrassed, thoughts about being, not being enough for other people, or small fears that grow into big worries. Who wants any of those kinds of intrusive fears? It can also be described as excessive worry about something like physical symptoms, for example. Will this scratch become infected? Is this mole on my arm cancerous? Does this headache mean something serious? Who wants any of those kind of intrusive thoughts or fears? Now those descriptions that I just shared parallel examples of anxiety among college-aged individuals in my community of faith. And here are just a few examples. One young woman came to me seeking help to deal with her fear of seriously harming someone or even killing members of her family. Another came to me with anxiety about a birthmark that she was afraid would become cancerous. A young man came to me worried about the possibility that he had committed an unpardonable sin and was afraid not only for his life but for his eternal destiny. Another came to me anxious about job performance not being enough even though she had just been promoted twice within the last year. And another came to me afraid of losing or disappointing or offending a friend. All of these anxieties were or are excessive in nature and none of them reflected reality in these people's lives, but they were and are troubling. And each person at times was convinced of the worst case scenario. This is evidence of our brokenness. We weren't created to feel anxious or afraid, but these feelings and experiences are the result of the fall of the first man and first woman and are part of what it means to be human in a broken world. And this understanding is helpful even though it sounds so terrible, and even though the experience of anxiety is so awful, this understanding that it is connected to our brokenness is helpful because it's real, it's realistic, and it can help us avoid the extremes of despair or denial. I have had to learn to live with a person who at times struggles with anxiety, and I don't. So it's been difficult for me over the years to come alongside my wife in a way that she feels emotionally safe to be able to say to me, like she did yesterday, 
oh no, Tim, I just prepared this food for the group that's coming over and I have an open scratch on my finger. Years ago, I would have laughed or said, oh, please get over it, or maybe ignored her. But the fear in the moment is real, and it is evidence of our brokenness. It's difficult for those of us who may not struggle with anxiety to understand what it's like. But living with someone who does struggle with it has made me to be more sensitive and to recognize that anxiety is evidence of our brokenness. And that is not something to run from. It is something to understand and to accept as real. We live in a broken world. Fear and worry are facts of life. The extreme responses of despair or denial don't help us. But Jesus said, he has overcome the world. In John chapter 16 and verse 35, Jesus told his disciples who were very worried and very afraid because he said he was going to leave them. He told them that they would experience trouble in this world, and then he simply said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's great that Jesus said it, but what does it look like? How do we experience the fact that Jesus has overcome the world? Well, think about another way to consider anxiety. Anxiety can be mitigated in part, not in full, through biblical wisdom. So much can be said about anxiety through the lens of biblical wisdom, how to make sense of it and how to overcome it. And obviously we don't have time for a comprehensive examination this morning, but consider just a few examples and reflect on their simplicity and influence on anxiety and the experience of it. Psalm 94 verse 19, the psalmist wrote, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. The wisdom there, meditate on the consolations of God. Proverbs 12, verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The wisdom there, be with people who speak true and kind words and speak them to others. Matthew 6, 34, Jesus said, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The wisdom there, Jesus, is, Jesus teaches us to stay in the moment, to focus on what ifs only will bring more worry. So rely on God for the present and literally trust him for the future. And one more example of biblical wisdom, having the power and the potential to mitigate against anxiety. First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven. Peter wrote, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Believe that God understands and cares for you. And in believing, release your mind's grip on your fears and worries, literally giving them to him. God understands and cares for us. This brings us to a third and very obvious, but I think an often untapped reality and a way of understanding anxiety. And that is that Jesus understands it and experienced it. This idea is simple, but powerful. 
It is also reassuring and results in hope. I'm not gonna try to prove this point to you, that Jesus understands and experienced anxiety. It is self-evident by virtue of the incarnation and in the experience of Jesus before his arrest, trial, and crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. As a human being, Jesus experienced fear. And God knows our fears. And he knows the fears and the worries of the people that we love who are struggling with anxiety. He truly does. And because he knows, we can be assured that we are not condemned. Jesus knew fear. His heart was deeply troubled, he said to his disciples there in the garden. Overwhelmed, he cried out to the Father. We are not alone in our anxiety, nor are we condemned for it. But the one who entrusted his soul to the Father says to us, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. As Tori said on Monday, one of the ways that we can deal with fear, with suffering, with trouble, one of the ways we must deal with them is to lament is to worship God in our sorrow and to know that he, in the person of Jesus Christ, understands and has experienced our sorrow. And the long line of God's covenant people have also experienced fear and worry from the beginning to this very day. But God in Christ experienced it as well and he overcame it. And this is the final, hopeful, certain, consideration about anxiety. And it is this, the present and future power of our redemption frees us from the grip of fear and anxiety. That is not to say that we won't experience them. We will. But just as we were not created to experience and feel anxiety, and just as it is a very real part of our lives, so too we are not destined now or forever to be bound by it. Why? How can we be certain of this? Because the curse has been reversed by the love of Jesus Christ. Here's the final word. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughter, despair. No, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, all of these anxiety-producing realities, none of them will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You and I are loved by God. Do not be afraid. Would you join your hearts and minds with me in prayer? And then I've asked if we could sing that song that we just sang a moment ago again as we leave today.
Father, we come to you weak and worried and broken and suffering and full of sorrow sometimes. Some of us come today and we don't want to think about anxiety. We don't want to give into it. We don't want to even consider the possibility that we would have to suffer such a thing. Some of us, if we're honest, are fed up, maybe with a friend, a roommate, a parent, a sibling, who wrestles deeply with anxiety, and we don't know what to do or to say anymore to help them. Some of us are afraid for our friends or our loved ones who are so deep in this struggle that they have despaired of life and want to leave this world and be free from it. May we today surrender to your love, to your control, to the reality of our brokenness, to the reality of the incarnation, to the reality that you offer us wisdom and to the reality that we do not need to be in bondage to fear now or forever because your love has conquered all. May we think more deeply and more practically about what it means to know that love so that we can be free from fear and serve you always in the name of Jesus.